Syria are fans everywhere. From our nation's capital, this is Cool of America. Welcome back, Curve Americans. I'm Tad, and we have a special podcast interview for you today covering all the latest Serie A topics. We have joining us today BN commentator Marco Palmieri. You all know Marco's voice coming out of your television sets for Serie A matchups throughout the season, and one half of an interview we did in Rome outside the Olympico that is still very controversial, the Roma Wedding Derby. Marco, thank you for your time. Hi there. Yeah, not a problem at all. Good to be here. Yeah, well, the reason why the uh, the Roma Derby is, is still controversial for all of us, I guess I'll fill you in on the inside joke, is um, after we did the interview and I saw you and Richard walking to your car, um, I came sprinting past you. And the reason for that was is my Aunt Jan, who had came to Rome for the wedding, had fallen and broken her femur on the ponte outside the stadium. So it's the, the Roma Wedding Derby has, has gone down in infamy. So uh, hopefully by, by you joining us today, it doesn't mean that any other loved ones um, are going to face something dire. So I should hope not. I really should hope not. <laughs> Very sorry to hear that. <laughs> now nah, she's fine now. But anyways, uh, we're going to start right off here with the harder hitting questions, Marco. First up, everyone wants to know. Um, are you and everyone in Italy still devastated by the news of the breakup between Chris Pratt and Anna Faris? Um, well, given that uh, I personally don't know who you're talking about, <laughs> I think the level of devastation might just be a little bit lower, but uh, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm holding it together, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, uh, the American audience couldn't believe that, that the Sky Lord and the girl from Scary Movie had called it quits after so long. So it's good to know that that has not devastated Italy near to the extent it has here. Well, uh, here in the U.S., we are exposed to so few on-air Serie A personalities, especially in English. Um, why don't you start off by filling in our audience on how you came about working for BN and becoming one of uh, America's Serie A sweethearts? Oh, well, that's a lovely title you've given me. I'll, uh, I'll take it. Thanks very much. Um, you, should, you should see the sweatshirt that I made. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, really? Oh, lovely. I, I'm very appreciative of the actual gift that you gave me that day in Rome. Uh, you know, I still have that T-shirt and I cherish it as well. Oh, great. Um, okay, about me. I, um, well, as you might have known from the accent, I come from the land down under, um, from Brisbane, Australia. I am of Italian origin, though, so I've been following Serie A pretty much my whole life, uh, waking up at four in the morning to watch uh, a lot of the big games, and even before it was broadcast on TV, I could only listen to on the radio, like on midnight on a Sunday night. So I have basically a little bit, bit of experience, shall we say, just on um, listening and uh, watching games from a long way, just like you guys are doing, but uh, with a slightly different time difference. <laughs> you're, you're in the um, future and we're in the past? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a little bit. Exactly. We were like nine hours ahead, I think nine or ten hours ahead. Yeah, don't, don't spoil it for Americans if you go back to Australia as <laughs> so what happens in the games in the future. Okay, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Um, yeah, so then I uh, decided to come over to Italy. I came to Milan almost uh, 13 years ago um, just to see what it was like to work here, I guess. And 
I was only supposed to stay a year and I've been here ever since. Uh, basically found a English speaking um, magazine that got distributed to like bars and, and coffee shops and pubs and the like that um, basically had a few ads on it, you know, for English speakers. And one of them was um, anyone who's passionate about Italian football and spoke English, uh, come and have a tryout to be a commentator. So I thought that would be a pretty good idea. And I did that and um, yeah, took it from there, basically. So judging by your name, you're obviously from Italian origins. Uh, where is your family? You know where your family's from in Italy? Yeah, absolutely. My father uh, is actually born in Milan. He um, pretty much did the exact opposite that I did. He moved to Australia uh, about 50 years ago. <laughs> so I, uh, I had some, uh, shall we say, someone to, to emulate. <laughs> the, 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 as I believe it's known in Australia as the reverse Palmieri. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if it's not, it should be. Yeah. It's you know it's 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 awesome that here in the in the United States we we get to have a channel like BN um, where we can listen to the games. Um, but you know, in preparation for the pod for us is you know for me I I don't have a native Italian speaking background or you know there's players in the Serie A that are not Italian that have crazy European names and you know prepping for the pod trying to learn who these people are. You know, take us in the prep that goes into a game for you. Are you, you know, are there times like when a, a team like, let's say, Kievo or something, you know, throw out a player from their bench into the starting 11 with a crazy name that's, you know, super hard to pronounce and you know next to nothing about him? Like, you know, what, what does a commentator do in those instances? Um, I, have, I have to admit it has happened uh, a few times over the years. Um, but uh, I guess the pronunciation... You know, we do our best. Obviously, it's never going to be 100% right. You're never going to please everybody. That's something we've come to learn over the years. Uh, there are a few tricks of the trade, like there are online tools. Um, someone, it's called Forvo. If nobody's heard of that before. It's a, a very good site that will give you a lot of pronunciations of names that you find absolutely impossible to, uh, to decipher just by looking at the letters. Um, but I guess the information is always, you know, very difficult to come by for some players that have just come up from the youth ranks or they've just been thrown into the lineup. Usually in the end of the season is when, you know, dead rubbers, games that don't really have that much meaning or you know, into, into the actual season and they'll, they'll like to give as many players from, um, that haven't been used throughout the season a run. And that's when you find yourself in a bit of difficulty. But, uh, yeah, mostly... There's the common websites that you do a bit of research on. They have a bit of uh, stats and figures and uh, history and that kind of stuff. That you know, they, they, we're not in the dark ages anymore. Internet is uh, pretty uh, pretty good as far as being able to find that kind of stuff. Uh, there was a time where that would be next to impossible to find. And occasionally we do matches for like World Cup qualifiers from from Africa, for example, and. That's when it really puts you to the test. <laughs> you, have no, you don't even have names on the back of shirts and the, the starting lineup is, is maybe, you know, it's an unknown quantity, even for the players themselves, like walking out. Yeah, you throw <laughs> the player's name and you're like, I think that was him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you just kind of reference them as a, the defender or, you know, yeah. the left winger or, or something like that to get you out of jail. Commentating judo. Um, yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, I mean, well, I guess it's it's we butcher names left and right, and you're going to hear me butcher a couple of names while I go through this. I wish I had that Forvo website before that, so we might be editing it out me googling stuff real quick. <laughs> and I guess if the English can get away with calling him Francesco Tati uh, for you know 25 years, it, it's it's not too hard. But for the record, is it Manolas or Manolas? Um, I'm going to go with Manolas. Uh. But uh, as uh, it's one name that I guess you hear so often on Italian TV and and, and radio that uh, you, you go with what you've what you know and <laughs> something like Manolas, I think you know. And when you see him, just call uh, you just call him Costas, anyways. We're on yeah. first name basis with him. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll ju- we'll jump into the meat of it and why anyone is listening to this instead of watching the latest Game of Thrones episode again. Boom! There it is. And discuss some uh, state of the Syria affairs, uh, we'll, and we'll start with the top of the table like we always do with Juventus. Um, it looks like Juventus took the loss of the Champions League final pretty hard. You know, rumors of squabbles in the locker room, the sale of Bonucci, who's one of the best defenders in the world. You know, some good signings this summer, but not you know the Iguain caliber signing. And the latest article by Allegri in the Players' Tribune was very candid about how he almost quit after the game. My question is, after six straight Scudetti, two out of the last three Champions League final appearances, and despite you know Juve, as we all know, being extremely mentally tough, where do you see, if anywhere, the chinks in Juve's armor going into the season? Um, well, motivation, I guess, would be one, a pretty obvious one, after they've won those six consecutive uh, titles. I, I'm sure the Champions League losses have a big influence, as, as you said, but um, I, I think, um, you know, obviously the loss of Bonucci and, and Dani Alves are, are big losses, especially just the one season that Dani Alves did. It's, it was difficult to see someone like that leave after just one season. But um, I, I don't know. I, I think they still have to be regarded as the favourites of the season. I don't know if there really are any major chinks, you know, in, in the Juventus armory. They will, um, you know, exploit their new signings, um, Bernardeschi, uh, Douglas Costa. Um, I, I, and I think they're going to really get over the loss of Bonucci one way or another. I think the fact that he's gone to Milan, that may have been probably the, the, the biggest problem. But uh, if he didn't want to stay in Juventus, there's no point in keeping him there. And at the end of the day, the, the player's will is, is what counts. And if he had problems with Allegri or with other players, then uh, it's, it's a good thing that he left. But I still think that, um, that they're going to make the most of, uh, of the new signings and um, be a real threat for the year. Yeah, the, they do have the luxury if you look at their defense and you know how, kind of how they reloaded last year um, behind their aging defense to dump a player like Banucci, which is absolutely ludicrous to me. You know, for that that amount of sale, just Banucci, it, 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 a question for me to you is, uh, uh, you know, with that sale of Banucci, you know, they sold him for what I thought was a steal. And it kind of, and, you know, and to Milan strengthening another team in the league when there was, you know, interest from Chelsea last year, or there had to been interest all over the world for him. You know, Juventus got this big thing about no player bigger than the club. Do you think like the sale to Milan quickly for that a lot of money was just kind of Juventus management being like, "Look, Leo, you've been a star for us for so long. You're one of the greats of our history. Tell me where you want to go." 
Oh, I don't know if the player actually had all of that much say. I mean, he, um, as you said, wanted to go to Chelsea last year, or there was interest in in him from Chelsea. And I think for family commitments, uh, there's, um, there's a well-known story about his son's illness and he wants to stay close to him and traveling wouldn't have been a very a good idea in coming to Milan is definitely a good option. And given the amount of financial backing and the fact that he would be going to a, a big club, you know, with some big names, he would have been given those promises, you know, when he signed, uh, so maybe you're right. I think he, if he did want to pick a team, you know, <laughs> I can't really see anywhere else that he wanted to go. Um, and the money factor, well, I don't think Juventus are going to be crying about, you know, that 10 million difference between Chelsea's offer and what they eventually got for him. I don't really think that Juventus are in a position to be quabbling about money. They reached the final of the Champions League. They have a massive stadium that's, uh, well, uh, not a massive stadium, but it's a stadium that definitely gives them a lot of uh, income. Yeah, it's always so sold out. Financially, yeah, exactly. They're financially, they're doing very well for themselves. So, yeah, I think, if, as I said earlier, if the player's not happy, there's no point keeping him. Well, speaking of Milan, um, which with the developments of Neymar, it's, it's pretty crazy. They've spent a Neymar amount of money this offseason, acquiring half the players in Europe for the same amount of money that Neymar was sold for. Um, you know, it looks like they're obviously looking to pick up a center forward to complete their biggest transfer window in years. Here's a multifaceted SAT question for you. Rank their level of interest in these players and the likelihood that Milan buys them, keeping in mind how they would fit in with Montella. I have four players for you. Costa, Obama Mayang, Belotti, and Kalinic, the big four that have been linked to them. Yeah, I mean, the, the news of the... Day it's not quite official yet, but Kalinic is uh, pretty is getting closer and closer to signing for Milan. Um, so I, I, they they desperately need a forward. There's no question that they have to replace Carlos Baca. Uh, I would have loved to see Bellotti there. I, I have to say it would have been great for the Italian national team, and I know many Milanisti that were absolutely dreaming of seeing uh, in Gallo the rooster playing at. Uh, in, in the red and black colors this season, but uh, the price tag was just too hefty for now. Um, and the other two relatively unknown quantities, I think, Obama Young, he has come out on Twitter, I think, or an Instagram video to his, uh, to, to a Milan fan. Yeah, saying no audio. He, he wants to go. Yeah, exactly. He wants, he would have loved to come to Milan, but uh, Milan uh, don't seem to be interested in him anymore. And I think that must have a lot to do with the fact that Kalinic is just, uh, a signature away from completing the move. Yeah, so do you think that Kalinic fits well, or does it seem that you're just like, ah, we're kind of tired of this, we'll get Kalinic. He's, I mean, he's, I think he's the most underrated out of these four players, but do you think it's, they're just like, hey, we're looking to wrap this thing up, we need, to, we need to have the whole team together and let's not mess around with transfer rumors any longer? Yeah, well, we're a week away from the start of the season. Um, I don't think they have much time to, to, to fool around. So I... Yeah, I think that has a big factor. They wanted to get a name and they wanted to do it quickly. And, and uh, yeah, the other three just seemed a little bit more unlikely. More, so more premiums. Yeah, exactly. And the salary is also a big deal. So I'm sure Kalinic won't be demanding as much as, uh, as say, uh, Obama Young. Well, he can, he can score. That's definitely true. Um, 
All right, well, it's everyone's favorite time on the show, unless you don't support them. Um, it's Roma time. And my question to you is the stadium gets rejected again. You know, explain briefly, you know, what's going on with this project and kind of the thoughts in Italy of the survival of, uh, of uh, the Stadio della Roma in Roma. Uh, nothing comes easy in Italy. <laughs> that's uh, that's the, the motto that I think you, you might need to take away from this latest incident. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that the stadium is going to be rejected once, you know, for, for good. I think everybody knows that the stadium is a necessity. It's something that Roma really wants and, you know, the, the financial backing with uh, Palotto is there. And uh, it's just a matter of uh, out, sorting out all the, you know, the, the, the minor issues. They may seem minor to us, but um, as far as the infrastructure of building a new stadium, you know, there's, there's quite a few things that need sorting out and where, you know, I'm sure they're going to do it. I have every faith that uh, the, the mayor and uh, the rest of uh, the, um, the Olympic Committee as well, which has a bit to say in these matters, they, um, they will sort it out. And, uh, and it may not be next year, it may, you know, the start or the actual, um, shall we say, the, the signing of it, signing off of the deal may not come this year or next year, but I, I am very optimistic that Rome will have uh, its own stadium. So we see these stadiums, and just kind of a, a brief tangent on this, like the stadiums appear to be the big issue in Italy in terms of the gl- growth of the Serie A. And, you know, we see Cagliari uh, looks like they're getting their own stadium, um, other teams around there. Do you think this is a trend in Italy that these, these clubs, these permanent Serie A clubs who now play in stadiums that, you know, look like, like you know, when Crotone comes up, they play in a stadium that looks like, an, you know, it's not as good as an American high school football stadium. Do you think this is going to be a trend in Italy where teams are going to really look to have their own stadium? Well, the trend at the moment, I guess, the, the, the two that do own their own stadium, Sassuolo and Juventus, uh, are killing it. <laughs> it's, from an economic point of view, it's a no-brainer. They, they, every team must be looking at, um, uh, at, at improving their own situation as far as income from a stadium. And when you have to rent out the stadium from you know, the council, uh, it definitely takes a lot away from that income. So I think you can call it a trend or you can call it just good economic sense. I think uh, it's something that's been lacking uh, for a long time, like being able to go to good stadiums. I mean, I've been lucky enough to see a few of them around uh, Italy and there's some in really bad shape, I can tell you. <laughs> so they need to be renovated and uh, and they need to make it more attractive for fans to, to come along. So that will also you know, boost, I hope, the popularity of Serie A around the world. Yeah, I went to a game at Siena and I was, I was 50% sure that I wasn't going to crash through the bleachers to my death 50 feet below. Um, back to Roma. The big question, Roma have been after Mares since they sold Salah. And, you know, now they have given, offered Leicester City the biggest transfer fee in Roma's history. You know, with this situation as Roma fans, we're all starting to roll our eyes on this thing like an Italian barista when a tourist orders a cappuccino in the afternoon. Um, you know, is this getting done? And if not, what are some realistics for options for Roma at Winger? Well, realistic options. Um 
I think they just need to, just like the um, the Kalinic deal, you know, time is a factor here. Season start of the season is is quickly coming, and you want to get you know your squad ready, and you want them to know each other before uh, the first. Uh, you know, before the end of the month, obviously. Before yeah, and Roma, Roma before, have Atalanta and Inter, their first two games of the season. Yeah, not easy. Not easy at all. Um, Mares would be a brilliant option. There's no question. Everybody wants him to come, but the price tag is too high as far as Leicester are concerned. Uh, sorry, as far as Roma is concerned, Leicester are uh, overvaluing Mares. So uh, there's been talk of other... Uh, big names like uh, Sacco from Liverpool or even Cuadrado if he decides not to uh, to stick around. Um, I don't know. Anyone to fill in that position would be pr- pretty uh, uh, accepted by Roma. Anyone those two big names going alongside Defrel, Dzeko and Perotti. Um, so, or as an alternative to, to, to the two wingers that I mentioned. So I, I think... Um, one way or another, Monchi he knows his uh, he knows his chickens, as as we like to say. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think he's going to find a, a valid alternative uh, which suits with the um, the Roma uh, economic situation, as well as uh, what um, Di Francesco will want as far as tactics on the field are concerned. Yeah, in the United States on their tour, they had Defrel play in that right wing. So maybe, maybe. Um, but do you think they need this? You know competent signing of a right wing uh, for them to compete in the Scudetto and the Champions League? Basically, they need to replace Salah because they did such a, had such a great season last, you know, last season. Unfortunately, not great enough to, to, to win or to, you know, to, 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 but second is still pretty good. They would love to emulate. Uh, yeah, Juventus is still in the Serie A. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so they, you know, they've got to hope that Juventus maybe lose a few points here and there, which is what they didn't do last season. But Roma really need to repeat what they did last season, and they have to do that without, uh, you know, without Totti and without um, Salah, of course. And so, yeah, I think that that's that's the main reason that they're looking for somebody like Mares. Well, I mentioned the Champions League were before the draw. How, in your mind, do you think the Italian teams are going to compete in Europe? Will they see will they see early exits like a film goer at the Emoji Movie, or do Serie A fans have something to get excited about with the Italian teams in Europe? Well, a lot depends on Wednesday night because <laughs> uh, Napoli, as you know, like the Italian teams in the uh, Champions League qualifiers have not got a very good record at all, and uh, Napoli have been thrown Nice, but. Um, have been given the good news that Balotelli and Schneider will not be playing, at least in the first leg. So it looks like Napoli should take care of business on Wednesday night. But, um, yeah, I think uh, there's no no reason not to think that all three teams will progress to the next stage. Well, you mentioned Napoli. Napoli haven't really lost anyone in this transfer window, but they haven't really brought anyone in either. You know, what are your predictions of their chances, not in the Champions League, but in the Serie A? And it seems like they're putting a lot on two insect-sized men in Mertens and Insigne to repeat their best season. So what do you think they're going to do in the Serie A? I'm very optimistic as well with Napoli, I have to say. And the reason is that Sarri is... uh 
from, from what he's done, from where he's come, you know, he can only be considered as a genius in some respects. And the way that he gets Napoli to play is uh, that such such amazing football at times is uh, to be respected. Um, the defence was the problem. They leaked a few more goals than they probably should have last season. At, uh, when you look at the attack, there's really not much really you can say. If Mertens has another season like he did last season, even if Milik does uh, come back to full fitness, it's going to be a good alternative. It's an abundance of riches for Maurizio Sarri, and I know that he's going to uh, make the most of it. And they do also have uh, some new, well, some old faces like Zapata, who's come back from uh, from Udinese. Mm-hmm. So the, the, it's always nice to have, especially when you're involved in in Champions League. It's good to have some decent backup players so you can rest. Yeah, he, he's uh, a beast. Your starting eleven. It, it's something that Napoli have never done. They have continuously played with their their, their front eleven, and uh, and yet, you know, the, I think Sadi needs to recognise that it's maybe time to employ a little bit of a rotation policy if they are to uh, to threaten Juventus and Roma once again at the top. Well, we're going to travel back up to Milan and speak about the other team in Milan, Internazionale. Uh, let's say the roster stays the way it is. They've made some moves, uh, but you know, no huge moves. Maybe a little gun shy about spending a ton of money on like Gabi Goal and getting nothing out of him. Maybe Joe Mario being swapped with somebody in PSG. But let's just say right now the roster stays the same way it is going into the season. Is the mere presence of Spalletti at Inter make them title contenders, or should a Champions League berth be their goal? Yeah, title contenders is 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 a big uh, a big stretch, I have to say. Um, I think Spalletti is definitely a massive uh, deal for for Inter, and given the the woes that they had last season with their coaches, I mean Mancini and De Boer at the start of the season, that was just the worst possible timing. For Mancini to leave and for Dubur to be handed uh, uh, such a disastrous uh, situation, and despite the talent that they had, obviously on the field it was still a pretty good side. Uh, neither of those, or Dubur and Pioli, did what they could, but it was never uh, a real possibility for them to travel to, to threaten for the title this year. Yeah, they've performed very well in the preseason. I think they've um, really. Uh, surprised a lot of pundits on how they've been performing. They, they won the International Champions Cup, the Singapore edition, beating Chelsea and Bayern Munich. And then the two friendlies with the Spanish teams in the last two weeks, uh, they've also walked away victorious. And that may have something to do with some real intelligent football played by Borca Valero, the new signing from Fiorentina. Yeah, he, he, that was a coup for them. Oh, absolutely. He is the type of player that Inter have been lacking for a very long time. I expected it to see it with Vanega, maybe some some from João Mario as well, but uh, the way that he has slotted into the Inter lineup, it really has sent uh, shockwaves around. Whether or not that's going to be enough for them to threaten the big three, shall we say, is another question, but definitely Champions League has to be the goal for Inter Milan this season. Yeah, Kandreva, Schick, if he makes it there, Perisic and Icardi, that's that's a formidable attack. Um, you know, like Spalletti came in and he, you know, just kind of continuing with Inter. Spalletti came in and, you know, leading up to him coming there, there was like, you know, Perisic is going to get sold to Man United. Kandreva is going to get sold to, to Chelsea. And it looks like he kind of took stock of the team and was like, no, no, I like the team the way it is. 
But my what I think is more intriguing um, is, you know, what's he going to do with Mauro Icardi? Because Mauro Icardi is one of the most prolific scorers in the Serie A the past three seasons. And what Spalletti did with Ed and Dzeko, you know, who was lost his first year at Roma uh, and then was Capocannonieri last year. Do you think that Spalletti is going to be kind of like the striker whisperer with Mauro Riccardi and just take him to another level? Well, that would be interesting. Um, I think he has the, obviously the, the capability to do so. But uh, Icardi uh, last year was given the captain's armband and, and it was something that the team felt was necessary for him to, to up his game a little bit. Sure, consecutive seasons with 20 goals a season is still a pretty good level. But uh, I feel that someone of his uh, potential can do a lot more uh, and really carry the team in other ways. Whether or not he deserves that um, captain's armband is another question. Is he a true leader of the side? Is he uh, someone that communicates well with everybody? It's yet to be seen. I think there are players out there who have shown that they can do that, players like Miranda, and maybe, who knows, even Borca Valero can be a player that uh, can really push the team when they need to. And when things aren't going so well, in, even throughout the match, you know, last year we didn't see Icardi really uh, motivating his team very much. And uh, I think that's something that he needs to improve if, uh, if they are going to give him that captain's armband. Otherwise, it needs to go to another player. If you want to increase Icardi's communication with the rest of the team, all you need to do is sign and start. 10 tattoo artists and i'm sure he'll be an amazing communicator and he'll still lead the team in tattoos yeah uh, how does he find the time you know <laughs> he's always he's always on the the the, the uh should we say massage table or whatever it is the tattoo artists are getting every single part of his body done it's uh yeah it's a work of art yeah i mean he's he's really showing nangalon that like nangalon come on man you need you need to up your game <laughs> um going to fiorentina uh you know, at the beginning of the transfer window, they were looks like they were going to be a smoking ruin with Inter plundering. And, you know, Kalinic, like you said, it appears he's you know, almost definitely on his way out. But they've made some interesting pickups. In, uh, and here I go. I'm going to butcher it. Ayasic and uh, then Benassi and Babacar and Chiesa look like they're, you know, perhaps ready for a bigger role. Can Pioli's Fiorentina that even how different it is from last year, compete for Europe this year? Uh, I'm still trying to fathom how they've lost like two big midfielders. Uh, they're about to lose their main, main striker. They've lost Bednardeski. And um, it, it's not looking good for Stefano Pioli. Um, they've also lost uh, their, their goalkeeper, Tatarusano, which may be a good thing in the end. Ilicic Teo, who was absolutely fantastic uh, as well on the wing. Uh, last season, um, I don't know how how many new signings uh, will they need to to perform really well to 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 be a threat. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see next Sunday night, um, see their first real outing, and if uh, the move by the young uh, Cholo Cholito Simeone is um, is to be completed, he can definitely take their place of Kalinic, although maybe not as experienced as the Croatian. He has pedigree. Definitely scored. He is, he is. He's definitely uh, got a lot of potential as well. So we'll see how Stefano Pioli can deal with the, the setback of pretty much having a, a whole new team to work with. 
Well, let's uh, let's keep going for actually back up the table, but a team that you wouldn't consider to be high on this table, Atalanta. Um, this summer they got plundered a little bit, kind of like Marco, not yours, but mine and my co-house, kind of like Marco's parents' liquor cabinet when they go to Italy for a vacation. Uh, but you know, in the preseason they've been they've been you know chewing bubble gum and and kicking bleep. Uh, what do you think of them going into the season? Is this a start of maybe a small little golden era for Atalanta? Uh, well, it would be lovely to see uh, a team like Atalanta come from uh, from where they have, uh, with Gasparini really being the hero of last season. The Italian uh, Elmer Fudd, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, looking at their new signings, I mean, Ilicic, uh, he was lacking confidence last season. I think he may have had a couple of injuries to deal with as well, and he wasn't getting regular uh, starting football. Um, so I think him, Gomez, and Petania can, uh, can form a pretty potent attack, you've got to say. Um, I think they are still on a high from last season. It would be lovely to see them perform. Uh, you know, now they're in Europe as well, so they've got more commitments. Um, but yeah, I'd really enjoy to see Atalanta at least equal the, the season that they had last season. I think the, the crowd from Bergamo really deserve it. So you mentioned Inter. I mentioned you mentioned Inter's preseason. I just mentioned Atalanta's preseason. You know, what do you think fans should take away from preseason tournaments in general? That's a good question. I think it's more for the coach to see what um, you know what he's got to work with. And in Inter's case, for example, I think Spalletti had to make some pretty big decisions on who to let go. Uh, the, the the team just kept increasing in number and. So I think it was an opportunity for him to see everybody, even, you know, when you go on tour together, you know, you see how the, the squad gels. Um, a massive signing for Inter was Skriniar. I'm not sure if we, we mentioned him earlier. He has performed really well in the preseason. And, uh, and I'm sure that was something that he would not have expected straight away. And that meant that someone like Murillo could leave. And that was really evident from those friendlies and those, uh, the, the tours overseas that, that Inter had. I think for Gasperini, um, given the loss of uh, Conti and uh, Cassie, yeah, they're, they're big signings that have that have left the club. That um, you know, Gasperini needs an opportunity to see how uh, to how best to field the team and and what works and what doesn't. So it's not really the result that they're looking for. It's more how the team works together. And I think that was evident also in the, um, the Milan-Betis match that was played last week. Milan didn't necessarily play badly. They, they ended up losing. Um, but uh, I think Montella was pretty happy in the end. I think it was also quite a bit of a rude awakening as to how the, the video assistant referee is going to be employed this season. Um, I'm not sure if you've spoken about that with uh, your listeners much on the podcast, but it's a big change in Serie A and it's something that um, I'm definitely looking forward to. I know there are some people that aren't as uh, as, as optimistic as I am, but um, I think that was also uh, an opportunity for Montella to see how it was employed and they got a bit of a shock when uh, and they, the, the result, which was heading for a draw, was robbed of the video assistant referee. 
Yeah, well, finally, the, the video technology comes to Italy. We've, we've talked about it. I think that I mean, we all kind of the consensus that it's, it's a good thing to kind of remove a little bit of human error, especially, you know, in the, in the Italian league that has some controversial calls and people have dark impl- implications behind them, even when they could be, you know, relatively innocuous or uh, explicitly innocuous. But um, I think that... Yeah, you- uh, you're never going to get rid of the controversy, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's, that especially in a country like Italy, people will still talk to death about every little incident. Well, and, but you just got to know that it ultimately less errors are going to be made, and that that's got to be a positive. And until it starts, until uh, uh, Berlusconi comes out from under a rock and asks the question, "Who's actually controlling these machines?" Um, yeah, so going down further to the bottom of the table, um, Crotone last year, I mean, pro- one of the more enjoyable things was their meteoric rise to, you know, to stay up in Serie A. Chris, who's one of my co-hosts, um, said he'd buy a Crotone jersey if they stayed up, and now he doesn't take it off. Um, you know, what's the likelihood that Crotone, I mean, the Falcinelli's gone, uh, uh, Trota's gone, what's the likelihood that they stay up? Uh, I think it's pretty unlikely. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, um, I, I'm looking at some of the names that they've got, like uh, Budimir, and uh, they, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's really going to be. I think Marco Palmieri's on that team. And Klagel. Sorry? <laughs> I think Marco Palmieri's on that team. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah. I've got to go to training later on. I just forgot. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, Crotone, look, bless them. I'll, uh, you know, that had such a. Fantastic finish to the season, fairy tale finish, and you know every won everybody's hearts. And and I think out of the teams that that were in the in the battle to survive, no one really wanted Crotona to go down, and so everybody was very happy when when that eventuated. Um, but yeah, no, I I can't see it. I think the teams that have come up uh, are very strong, and um, well, at least Verona is. Uh, is quite strong and Spal have made some some good investments as well so I think if if you look at the teams that were fighting to stay afloat last season um, Crotone has to be one that will be a favorite to go down this season. Well speaking of the newly promoted teams uh, Benevento and Spal you mentioned uh, uh, Ellis Verona but in my mind they're a Serie A team that just happened to be in Serie B last year um, you know, in, in your researching for the season, can you tell our audience one thing we should know about uh, Benevento and Spall? Uh, well, let me see. Um, two, two consecutive promotions uh, for both of them, actually. They have done something that not many teams have in the past. Um, so it's the first time that Benevento are in Serie A. They, um, they beat Carpi in the playoffs after finishing fourth in Serie B. They finished behind Frosinone, losing just twice at home last season. But um, when we look at some of the transfers that they've had, they've lost their, their keeper, who was excellent last season, to, um, to Cagliari. He's uh, Cranio, and he's been replaced by Bellic. Um, they have, however, kept uh, their leading scorer, Ceravolo, and what a fantastic season he had. 20 goals uh, in Serie B. Sure, it's not the same defense that you'll find in, in Serie A, but... Uh, you know, one thing that strikers love to do is score goals, and he scored plenty of them. Cicciretti is another one. Nine assists last season, and um, you know, I think they are going to please the the fans that are down in um, in Campania near Naples. 
and uh, I think it, 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 they're going to have some highlights for sure, but uh, it will be difficult for them to stay up as well. Keep going about Spal. Yeah, yeah, please. Um, yeah, same as I mentioned, two consecutive promotions for them. Um, it's the first time there in Serie A, uh, well, after 49 years, actually, it was the last time they were in Serie A. They, they, um, back in the 60s, they were quite uh, a, a strong team, never uh, obviously won the title, but um, this is the 17th time that they've uh, been in Serie A. They're based just outside of Bologna, so there's uh, some very fierce rivalry between those two teams. And back in the 60s, when Spa was was in Serie A. It was when Bologna were really uh, on on fire. They they won some scudettos back then as well. So you can look forward to some really good derby atmospheres at the uh, the Paolo Mazza in Ferrara and of course at the uh, Dallara. So they've got some good strikers as well. Paloski, Flockery, um, very experienced Serie A players up front. So I, I, I don't know. I think they're going to be um, pretty difficult to beat and. I would expect of the three that have uh, that have come up, um, obviously with Verona, I think Spal have got a good chance of staying up as well. So I think, yeah, both Scudetto challengers for sure. Um, so every year <laughs> there's all these predictions of who's going to surprise. It seems like Torino the past couple of years has been everyone predicts them to, to be a little bit better than they end up being. But, you know, Sassuolo two years ago out of nowhere, Atalanta out of nowhere. Who's your surprise team in the Serie A? Who should, who should Curve Americans and the American audience be looking at in the Serie A if they're just getting into it and they can get on the bandwagon before anyone else? Hmm. Um, good question. Well, last season I enjoyed watching Pucciarelli play for <laughs> Crotone. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Chievo, Chievo Verona. I think finally they can... Uh, oh, you know, they can go back to the uh, to when they qualified for Europe, and they can push for a, a, quali- a European qualification this season as well. I think they'll be fun to watch. The Flying Donkeys. That's Looks the one. Like they're, they're taking flight in, in, the, <laughs> in the mind of Marco Palmieri. Actually, that was my pick last year. <laughs> and, oh, they, okay. and they disappointed after after basically about mid-season. But I, I, I'm going to be right behind you on this, on this uh, bandwagon. Also, because I like Sarantino still playing. He's what, like yeah. 24. <laughs> I think that's, uh, you know, With, and I've got Dainelli. They've got some really old timers out there like myself. So I, I, I root for them. When, yeah, when they, when they retire, all dreams of playing professional soccer go out the window for me. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I, I could still get a tryout. <laughs> Last question here, a bit of a reverent one. Um, but you're at a beachfront club in Italian Riviera. We're taking you there. You're at a beachfront club, the Italian Riviera. It's beautiful, high-end club. You need to pick one wingman for a night on the town. You look to your right, and emerging out of a pile of naked, writhing club goers is the bomber himself, Marco Borriello. His hair, no worse for wear. But to your left, obviously weighing retirement in each hand, is Antonio Cassano. Who do you take for the night on the town? Antonio Cassano Ooh. or Marco Borriello? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think you've got to go with Borriello. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't, don't want to have anything to do with Cassano. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's, it's a laugh. You know, we'll have a few drinks. I'm sure it'll be fine, maybe. But uh, I think you know, I'm not going to stick around and see what shenanigans he gets up to later on in the night. I'd much prefer to you know go with uh, with Borriello and his taste in. Um, 
in all things, uh, shall we say, nightlife orientated. <laughs> I, I, you'd probably just spend a lot of time, Kasana, going back and forth on decisions before things get real <laughs> yeah, weird. Sh- should I get a gin and tonic or should I get a Prosecco? Oh, gin and tonic, Prosecco. <laughs> no. Well, Marco, uh, I appreciate you taking the time um, to be on the podcast. It's very informative. Curve Americans got a lot to look forward to in this season. Uh, in the Serie A, it looks like a lot of teams, there's, there's more parity in the league. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, and uh, uh, until next time, I, well, I guess we'll hear you all season um, and be in uh, commentating Serie A games. Uh, hopefully you bring more luck uh, to Roma and the derbies this year. And uh, we, can, we, can keep, we can keep my families out of an Italian emergency room. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good idea. Well, thanks very much uh, for having me um, say... Goodbye, and thanks for listening to all the uh, Code of Americans and podcast paysans. All right. Thanks, Marco. We say arrivederci. Ciao.